You can now subscribe and save 20% every single time with a Strava Craft Coffee subscription. We know a bunch of you have taken advantage of the one-time code. And now you can save 20% on your favorite coffee forever. You'll never have to put your credit card info in again. If you've never tried the rich CBD-infused coffee, you can use code DNVR20 and save 20% off your first order. Uh, but if you're a huge fan, you can now save 20% off and have them send it to your door every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks without even you ha- without you even having to think about it. Obviously, in Colorado, getting closer to having to stay home a lot more, so you might want to start avoiding the grocery store trips as much as possible. Well, this is a perfect way to do so for your coffee. They'll send it right to your door, and you'll save 20% off. You won't even have to put in your credit card information each time. So head over there to Strava Craft Coffee and either use that DNVR20 code or have them send it straight to your door at the interval of your choice. It's a great deal. Let's jump into the show. Friday edition of the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. And guys, before we go too far at all, want to wish an extremely happy birthday to our member Onion Booty Bronco, also known as Connor. Uh, his girlfriend reached out to us and uh, she, you know, she was very diligent about hoping that we could uh, we could give him a shout out here on the podcast. So Least we could do is do it right off the top. Uh, Connor, it looks like you got yourself a keeper. Yeah, absolutely. Happy birthday, Connor Onion Booty. And what a way to kick off this Friday bum talk pod than a happy birthday to Onion Booty Bronco. That's the thing. You got to say it right. <laughs> well, go tip, ahead, Mace. I learned from you. Exactly. You tip the cap to Steve Atwater. Anytime Jake Butt came up, it was booty. So, Onion Booty. Bronco, may you have the best of birthdays. May this day be the opposite of 2020 for you. Yes, absolutely. And uh, before we go too far, also a shout out to the presenting sponsor of the show, MSU Denver Online. It's the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs stopped by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. Uh, So much going on down there at MSU Denver, 750 total classes, tons of different ways uh, to get in on it. I'm now realizing I'm the only one who didn't put on my uh, Hawaiian skirt Friday, and I'm feeling quite left out. Um, But you know what? I just need to get more educated about uh, the types of days we have over here. And uh, maybe I'll just head down to MSU Denver online to try and get a little smarter. Um, but seriously, MSU Denver Online, great option uh, for you if you're looking to further your education, uh, especially as, you know, uh, like I said, in Colorado, uh, going to be probably hanging out around home a lot more these days. So uh, 
use that time to further the education. My boys, what a day we got here. A little bum talk, a little special birthday day. And guys, not only do the Broncos play in 48 hours, but we have in and out burger opening in no, Colorado today. No, what a big day. <laughs> well, congratulations. Colorado became more California-like. Yay. <laughs> Let's be happy about that. California is pretty awesome, but okay. <laughs> California is is awesome in California. I think I think Ryan intentionally didn't wear the Hawaiian shirt because he didn't want anything to do with bringing any more California sun beach vibes to Colorado today. They're called Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> no, they're actually Aloha shirts. That's a different it's a different state entirely. It's oh. it's close though. It's close. It is the closest. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't want to talk about in and out. well you can't you can't get the first one because the line it hasn't even opened and the line is already very long you know uh i'll just if i'm craving a burger today i'll just go right down the street to good times and get a colorado homemade burger uh well you can't be good times Mm. good good time oh their fries a million times better than in and outs, Ryan. I'll give you that. Now you're speaking my language. <laughs> you got to order the crispy fries at In-N-Out. But uh, hey, uh, if I go to Good Times, I'm getting the frozen custard. Do they still have the Oregon Blackberry on oh, hand over there? Mace, it yeah. says right next to it, just for Mace, Oregon Blackberry. Bingo. Stock. All right, that's the that's the that, that's the best that's the best stuff, man. I mean, I'm not the burgers. Okay, the frozen custard, amazing. If they called it Colorado Blackberry, I might like it a little more. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, Broncos got a game this Sunday. You know, I've been saying all week that I didn't think Drew Locke was going to play. And now it's starting to feel like Drew Locke might actually play, um, which, you know, we've used this word a lot of times on, the, uh, on this podcast. That might be malpractice uh, because you've got a, yourself a hurt quarterback going up against probably the most aggressive defense in the NFL right now. They they do not care. They honestly don't really care what happens. They just want to hit the quarterback. Yeah, and that's that's the worst thing for the Broncos right now is if Drew Locke goes out there and gets hurt and gets banged up middle of the game, either puts out another poor performance because he's not feeling too well or he's then sidelined a week or two because of that. That's what that's what Mason and I talked about earlier this week. The Broncos have to make this decision to get Drew Locke the most reps the rest of the season. Now, if they don't think that he's going to be impacted at all, then yeah, you put him out there. If he is going to be impacted and there's a chance that it impacts him further, you don't put him out there. And especially against this defense that likes to blitz 40% of the time, Drew is just simply going to be hit. So how how fully recovered truly is he by Sunday? Yeah, and that's why it, it was interesting to hear the way he talked about what he did in practice yesterday. Basically, that he would kind of go in for a play and then he would come back out. Come back out. So you wonder if maybe the practice workload yesterday was just about trying to kind of test him and then wakes up in the morning. They see how they see how he feels and uh, maybe gets a little more. I actually wouldn't be surprised though, if just to keep the dolphins guessing and uh, keep everyone guessing, if Vic Fangio pulls the old Mike Shanahan and says, you're going to have to, you're going to have to watch the game on Sunday to find out who our quarterback is. 
That's what I would do if I Why was not? Broncos. Yeah, there's no reason not to. <clears throat> yeah, maybe that will give people one reason to watch. Um, oh, come uh, on. <laughs> you know what? I'm, the in and out time. I'm in a spicy mood now. Uh, you're in an, you're in an animal style mood, Ryan. No, animal. Remember, I actually learned that animal style is what ruins it for me. Yeah. One time I tried it without animal style. I was like, oh, okay. So now it's just a normal burger. Um, it, it went from like on the negative side of the scale to neutral. Um, anyways, uh, I think, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I think it's kind of a lose-lose for the Broncos. Um, and because of that, I'm, I'm kind of looking at it the way you're just mentioning, Zach, which was like, you got to do the thing that is going to allow Drew Locke to have the most reps the rest of the season. And that, you know, on the surface, that sounds like, okay, well, then you obviously play him. But if you play him and he gets hit 30 times and further injures, you know, those ribs, and, and maybe that's a little bit hyperbolic. So 20 times, which actually might be legitimate. Um, and then you got to sit him next week. And then, you know, then there's the whole, well, we already put him out there once when he was at, you know, 70% and all he did was have a setback. Now you got to set him back two weeks. Um, it's just, it's not a, it's not a good situation either way around, but just based and maybe you can't make decisions based on your opponent, but for my chair, you can. And my decision would be rest drew lock this week because of the opponent, because you know what they're going to do. And honestly, the fact that the quarterback is banged up makes me think they're going to want to tee off even more. Yeah, I would certainly think so. And with the struggles the offensive line has had recently, especially up the middle. And on top of that, you know that Drew Locke does some bad things when when he he's blitzed and he throws off his back foot and he makes decisions that he shouldn't make. So if I'm Brian Flores, unless Drew Locke beats me multiple times while bringing pressure, that's what I'm doing. I'm dialing up blitz after blitz, after blitz. And this just brings me to the question, guys, and I can't believe that this is a question, but I think it's a fair one. Do the Broncos have a better chance to win this game with Drew Locke or Brett Rippon under the circumstances this week? I don't think the gulf is as wide as we would have thought it was, say, before the start of the season. I mean, I think they do have a better chance with Drew Locke because he does have so he does have more arm talent. We could see uh, Brett Rippon against the Jets, although he did a good job getting things right pre-snap, getting the protections right. Uh, he had he he had some bad throws, and we have to also remember everything Brett Rippon did well and good. It was against the New York Jets. It was against the worst team on the schedule, and the Dolphins. You start for where the Dolphins are stronger. They're much stronger at cornerback than the New York Jets were. This is actually one of the better cornerback tandems that the Broncos are going are going to see. And if Rippon is out there, he might be throwing the ball in the direction he wants to put it in, but it might be a case where you're giving the cornerbacks a chance to make a jump and get some picks in the game. So, you know, I I think I think there's a I I, I think that they're better off with Drew Locke, but I will say that the gap isn't as wide as it would have been thought to be three months ago. You know, um, this is going to drive me nuts uh, if it happens, 
But I think that because of the game plan that the Broncos will in turn use, I think, if Brett Rippon is the quarterback, I think that there's at least an argument to be made here, which is, you know, oh, you've got this backup quarterback going up against a blitz-heavy team. Uh, you know, what you're just going to have to do is run the football. And that is going to be so frustrating to watch if that's the case, because that should be the formula for the Broncos against any team uh, with a young quarterback. And, and yes, they still have a young quarterback in Drew Locke. And so, you know, they're going to treat Brett Rippon in his second start kind of, you know, with, with the young quarterback gloves. But for some reason, Drew Locke in his 11th or 12th, isn't getting the same treatment. Uh, and I think that's been a big part of the mismanagement on the offensive side of the ball for the Broncos is, you know, uh, not, not acting like running, being a run first team is their best chance of winning every week. Uh, you got two pro true pro bowlers back there in the backfield. You know, even the, uh, the biggest drew lock supporters aren't going to be able to tell you that he's a pro bowler, uh, especially, you know, not even a, a prospective pro bowler this year. So, the 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 uh, game plan for the Broncos is to run the football, and you might actually be able to make the case that if they start Brett Rippon, they're going to run the football more, which is the problem, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's the case I'm going to make. Mace, I can't disagree with anything you said. I think you're spot on. But I'm going to say this, and it's just wild. I think the Broncos have a better chance of winning. Now, maybe that's not the good thing and the, 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 the best thing in this game, but I think they have a better chance of winning with Brett Rippon for two reasons. One, Brett Rippon gets the ball out quick. That's something that you're going to need to do, uh, whether it's to protect Drew or not. So I, he gets the ball out quicker than Drew Locke. So that's a credit to Brett. Now, is he going to make as many big plays and have the potential for big plays as Drew Locke? Absolutely not. But I think in this game, getting the ball out quick is more important. And then the second point is exactly what Ryan said. If they are starting... Brett Rippon, they will view him as a guy that has one career start as, a, as an undrafted rookie or undrafted second year guy. And so they're going to, I would think, build the game plan around him. Now, maybe they don't and they drop back 50 times and, and only hand the ball off to their two star running backs a total of 15 times like they have in the past two weeks. But you can actually run the ball against the Miami Dolphins guys. They give up 4.7 yards per carry. In the past three weeks, they've given up 99 yards, 131 yards, and 175 yards on the ground. You can run the ball. So no matter who your quarterback is, you have to run the ball. I don't care if you're down four points at halftime. That's what the Broncos were last, last week. And Philip Lindsay got one touch, one handoff in the second half. I don't care who the quarterback is. You have to run the ball. And I just think, like, like Ryan said, I think they will be more concerned on running the ball if it's Brett Rippon back there. And so as crazy as it is this week, I think Brett Rippon gives them a better chance. Yeah. And as much as this is an indictment on Drew, which it is that you're saying that, you know, mm -hmm. they have a better chance of winning without him. Um, it's a much bigger indictment on the coaching staff, in my opinion, and specifically Pat Shermer. Um, if you have to be forced into giving your team the best chance to win, you're doing something wrong. Uh, and, and that's been very obvious, especially over the last couple of weeks, that they're doing something wrong. You simply cannot live like that. And that's what they've been trying to do. Um, so it's a, it's a bad situation for the Broncos, really, um, because 
like we've been saying for weeks now, something's going to have to change after the season, whether that's the quarterback or the offensive coordinator. The marriage that you know they were hoping for there has not materialized in any way, shape, or form. And we will keep saying that the best thing is for it to materialize over the end of the season here. And maybe, just maybe, they start Brett Rippon this week. They run the ball 40 times. Uh, they win the football game. And they realize, oh, that's why we have two Pro Bowl running backs. Okay, all right. <laughs> this, this makes sense. This works. Uh, and then Drew Locke comes back in, and they do that, and they start running more play action, uh, which they did early in the game last week, but stopped doing it when, of course, they stopped stopped running the ball. So maybe in the end, that's the best thing for these Broncos. Um, guys, if you had to make your prediction now, though, who starts a quarterback for the team? Drew, because he's trending that way. So I do think that Drew Locke gets the start. I think uh, Brett... And I think Drew is there as the, as the backup. It maybe is a situation like uh, the Chargers game back in 09 where Chris Sims started, but Kyle Orton, even though he wasn't healthy 100%, was healthy enough to be the backup. Of course, you hope it works out better if they do that. Say, that's a bad Because <laughs> Chris Sims was so bad that Kyle Orton basically had to hobble back on the field and play most of what I believe was a – 32-3 route or something like that. That they that's lost. that was as bad as it gets in terms of managing the quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> Guys. Don't, definitely don't do this. Uh, put Brett Rippon in and then put Drew Locke in in a game that's already lost. Oh no, no. Yeah. Guys, tell me if I'm crazy. If Drew Locke does not start because he's not healthy, he should not have a jersey, and I would rather see Jeff Driscoll and or Blake Bortles come in before I see Drew Locke, because learn from the, when you played the Jets and what they did to Mackay Becton was malpractice. <laughs> the word of the day, do not have malpractice to your quarterback. Don't do that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I've been all week really thinking that it was going to be Brett Rippon, but unless the Broncos are, um, <clears throat> you know, playing games, the message coming out of there certainly feels like it's going to be Drew Locke. Um, so that's my prediction. I don't think it's the best thing for the Broncos or Drew Locke um, to play him in this football game. But on the other side, Drew Locke, <clears throat> who is in search of brownie points right now, will earn a lot of brownie points if somehow, some ways, he goes out there hurt um, <clears throat> and finds a way to lead the team to a win. Um, you know, that, that will go a long way in the locker room. I think it'll also go a long way with the fan base. You know, that's a very, uh, John Elway esque move, even, even going all the way down to the ribs, uh, to go out there and, and play with hurt ribs and, and lead the team. But that being said, if he goes out there and starts and it's obvious he's in discomfort and the performance isn't there, do you have a short leash on him? Oh boy, that would be the worst thing. Exactly. And, uh, that's, that's something I think you have to think about uh, about here that if he goes out there and clearly he's in discomfort and then you pull him mid game, it just it's sort of the look of that, the perception of that. Yeah, it's really bad. Um I hope that doesn't happen because to me the moment that Drew Lock gets benched in a game is probably like the end of the line. Um, now, this one might be a little different because I guess after the game, you could say, 
well, you know, we thought he was feeling good, but then he got hit, which we never saw coming. Uh, <laughs> and now, and now, you know, then he re-aggravated the injury, and we we got him out of there to protect him. You're actually getting that info out there ASAP. That's one where you know there are some injuries. Maybe you don't announce them in the press box. Uh, that's one where if it that is the scenario, you make sure that that is made that is made available info is made available to the media made available to the broadcasts. So it just, it's out there and you say, okay, you're putting, you're at least establishing the storyline that it is entirely injury related and not performance related. I mean, I, I can almost see it happening right now. It's like unfolding right before my eyes. Yep. Yep. Guys, if you're, if you're Andy Locke, Drew's dad and Drew's agent, what are you telling him to do? Because we we know that Andy Locke is, you know, a tough guy. Uh, he raised Drew to be very tough. Drew told us yesterday that that injury last week was not something where he could have gone home to his dad, uh, it, you know, back in his younger days and said, Dad, I just couldn't play the second half. He said that wouldn't have been right because it, it was an injury he could play through. But even with that, are you telling him to tough it out or are you telling him to uh, to take a step back and take this week off? <clears throat> I don't think that's in the lock DNA. It's um, not. Yeah. To, to take a step back and, and sit a week out to try and, you know, feel a little better. Um, it's, it, you know, I think, I think that uh, he's telling him if you could play, you, you go play, you know, you're, you're the starting quarterback of the football team. You got to go out there and, uh, and lead those guys to a win. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly what he would say. <clears throat> but if I'm his agent, I would say drew, there is some good that can cut up, come out of this, and we talked about it. The win, you're hurt. That can get you a lot of a lot of brownie points, but I think there's a lot more bad that can come out. And I think we've broken down all, uh, everything that can go bad, including physical harm uh, and his future in Denver being shaped in a big way this week. Yeah. Um, I mean, at, at this point, it really, there's not that – There, I guess there is stuff that can be gained. Um, if you're looking at it from a, you know, rosy colored glasses perspective, uh, the, the gain here is you go win the game. And, and of course, you know, that's, there's a lot of, a lot to be gained there for Drew Locke, uh, against this Miami Dolphins defense. It is so weird talking about like a vaunted Miami Dolphins defense. It's taken me all week to like, just be able to say that without thinking I'm saying something incorrect. Um, but it's true. Like, <clears throat> for us, it's a lot easier to look at this defense and say, mm, you don't want to be out there. But I think for Drew, it's a lot easier for him to look at the film and say, I know how to beat these guys. Uh, and I want to go try and prove that. Well, what's interesting, I mean, uh, the defense, it's vaunted, but it's it's giving up some yards. And you look at this Miami team, guys, and I did a little number crunching this week. I'm thinking because I'm watching the film and I'm like, okay, it doesn't exactly make sense that this team is six and three. How is it? How is it getting there? Well, first of all, turnover margin is a big thing, but also just this is an outlier of a team. If you go back the last 30 years, they are the 137th team that has, through nine games, been outgained by 50 yards a game, outgained per play by a quarter of a yard and has been negative 20 in first downs over the course of those nine games. Those other teams, guys, averaged two and a half wins and six and a half losses. And the interesting thing 
of the 15 previous teams that had winning records, six, most of them had regression because only six of those 15 uh, made the playoffs. So the Miami, it's a great, they're a great story, but they also look like a huge regression candidate coming up here and maybe you catch them in that hey. moment. You heard it here first. The Dolphins are frauds. Yeah, (laughs) apparently. I'm not buying it one bit, Phil Mason. Maybe it's because I'm wearing some crimson colored glasses, but I think think the Dolphins are in fantastic hands. But their defense is very much a bend-don't-break defense. It's what we've seen from the Broncos before the Broncos actually do break, except the Dolphins' defense doesn't break. The Dolphins' defense gives up yards. They won a game where they gave up over 500 yards. Like I said, they gave up 175 yards in on the ground just a few weeks ago, but they won that game. What they're really good at is not breaking, not giving up big play after big play. And then also, Mace, you said it, which is something that can't be discounted, turnovers. They have a turnover in every single game this year, and their offense, without Brian Fitzpatrick, does not turn the ball over. Yeah, it's pretty incredible uh, what they're doing in terms of of, of generating generating takeaways. I believe they're the only team in the league that has forced at least one turnover in in every game. And the interesting thing is that, like, early in the season, it wasn't a great team in terms of takeaways and turn and uh, turnover margin. The first four games of the season, guys, they were dead even. They started off one and three dead even in turnover margin and then since then they've just and since then they've just they, they've exploded they're plus they're plus five in the last five games yeah and that's what happens when you get yeah. pressure on the quarterback is you force turnovers uh and they are pressuring the quarterback a lot right now um and if drew is going to have any success as we talk about the game plan here if he does play it's he's really going to have to be at his best when it comes to getting to the line seeing where the blitz is coming from, identifying the mic, sliding the line, you know, the, the communication between him and Cushenberry, uh, Cushenberry and the guard positions, all of that is going to be uh, needed at an all-time high. And unfortunately, not just from Drew, but from everyone uh, in those positions, the communication has not been great or, or the execution has not been great. One of the two, sometimes both. So, whether it's Brett or Drew, that's going to have to be at an all-time high. And uh, Brett, to his credit, did a really good job of the, about that when he was in there. And, and a lot of people say, oh, Drew never changes anything at the line. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, but he definitely needs to do a better job of it. And this week, he's going to have to do a great job of it. And not just that, but also uh, hot routing his receivers uh, and getting it to them. Because when you go up against a team who wants to send you know, zero blitzes, they are inviting big plays, but you have to see them. You got to identify them and you got to be able to put the, the, the wide receivers in a position to get them. You know, the, when there's a big gap in the middle of the field between the safeties and the linebackers, you just run a little drag right behind that line where those guys are blitzing from and you get the ball into the hands of KJ Hamler or Jerry Judy. And those guys are, you know, uh, are going to be off to the races. So that, you know, it, there is a lot of negative towards uh, defenses bringing blitzes, but if you can get your guys into the right positions, uh, then you can get them to stop. The problem is not just Drew, not just the offensive line, not just all that. Also, Pat Shermer has done a terrible job of calling plays to keep those defenses on their heels. So 
that it's a there's a scary combination of things here for me, which is the offensive line doesn't do a good job of picking up blitzes. Drew is not as good as he could be at identifying blitzes, and Pat Shermer doesn't call good plays to stop defenses from blitzing. I don't like that combination, especially with a banged up quarterback. Yeah, no, that that's really tough. And one thing that Drew's going to have to do is he he can throw he can throw the ball deep. But it's just going to have to be quick. It's going to have to be a quick drop back and then launch it. Put it up for your receivers. Trust Jerry Judy, uh, just like Brett Rippon did when he played the Jets. He trusted Jerry Judy, didn't even throw a great ball, but Jerry Judy went up and got it. Drew's going to have to do that. So it's not saying, Drew, don't make the big plays. It's saying, Drew, whether it's a three-yard slant or whether it's a 40-yard pass downfield, do it quick. Get the ball out quick, Do especially being injured. Do not try to play hero ball. Do not try to run around back there because you're only going to get yourself hurt and it's likely not going to help your offense. Well, and the other thing is you got to make sure you got help from Lloyd Cushenberry up front. And uh, when this uh, topic of pre-snap protections and adjusting came up yesterday during the press availability, it was, you know, it was made clear that it's kind of, it's, it starts with a joint effort between the quarterback and the center. So you've got a lot of youth there in that duo with Drew Locke in his second season and Lloyd Cushenberry in his rookie his, in his rookie season. And Drew made the point yesterday that hey, when he was out there last year, he had someone in Connor McGovern who was a four-year veteran who had uh played multiple positions and had been the starter at center for a full season basically before drew lock was working there so you know some of that keeping uh, drew lock upright it's gonna have to fall on Lloyd cushionberry and when you know that brian flores is gonna dial dial up some creative stuff probably to try and confuse Lloyd cushionberry uh this is going to be as much on him and getting the protections right as it is on drew lock yeah, absolutely. Well, we talked a lot about offense here, so let's just quickly touch on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, for the Broncos, who have now given up 30 points in three consecutive games, um, what can they do to slow down this very efficient Miami Dolphins offense? And that's it. They're they're efficient. They're, they're not a powerhouse on offense, but they're efficient. You have to make them not as efficient. You have to rattle to a – and that's going to be tough. But he's a rookie, and you, you got to rattle him. He's a guy that has not been rattled yet. And Vic Fangio is a guy that can have success against that. So I'm doing what has worked for the Broncos' defense, and I'm bringing pressure. And if Tua beats me, well, Tua beats me. A rookie on the road in one of his first few games, I'll give it to him then. And Tua very is very well capable of that, but that's what I'm doing because it's what my defense is good at, and you're facing a, a young rookie. Yeah, you're bringing pressure, and even though you've been gashed on the ground in two of the last three games, you're not particularly worried about the Dolphins' running game heading into this. In in four of the last five games, guys, they haven't even averaged 3.7 yards per carry, and it's not something they need to establish in order to win. So you're bringing the pressure. You're trying to force Tua into some rookie decisions. And the other thing guys is that even if they do get some momentum, you're just going to try to limit the damage early. This is a team that likes to get out in front and play from ahead. They're six and Oh, when they lead at halftime, they're Oh, and three when they're trailing at halftime. 
So this is another game, guys, where the Broncos, even though they fail to do it, they have to figure out how to have a good start. Yeah, you know, you're finally uh, getting back to a team where uh, they're less two-dimensional and you are going to be able to get back to that formula that was working for a few weeks for Vic Fangio, which is send a lot of pressure. Send a lot of pressure. And yes, Tua uh, can get out of the pocket with his feet, uh, which means you have to be, you know, disciplined out there on the edge. But he's not, you know, a guy who is going to win a game just on running the ball. Uh, like a Kyler Murray or a, you know, Lamar Jackson. So he might beat you a couple times and get it and break your contain and make a big play downfield. But you just have to be prepared to try and throw him off because if you allow him to sit back there, you know, what he does really well uh, that Drew Locke hasn't shown to be great at so far is getting through his reads. Um, He will sit back there and go one, two, three, and get rid of it. Um, and so if you give him time to go through his reads, he'll go through his reads. And we know that, you know, that's really difficult for a defense to hold up against. So you, you got to bring pressure so that he doesn't have time to get through those reads, force him to be a one or two read quarterback. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that, that would be huge. That would maybe force him into some bad decisions as well. And Tua has not thrown an interception yet. Guys, do you think that comes this week? Yes. Mm, who I are think, you are you willing to take your shot i'm taking I, i'm gonna my 58 yard field goal is gonna be justin simmons getting the pick mm, i like that i mean he he's the pick master in denver yeah and especially going up against a young quarterback i mean he was able to uh to make a play on the ball against justin herbert a few weeks ago too yep he was all right uh well we finish here with afc west predictions uh and that of course includes our broncos prediction so let's start around the rest of the uh, the league here, and then we'll come back to the Broncos for our uh, for the last part of the live here. And let's start off with the worst game that's going on in the AFC West this week. And no, it's not the Broncos game. It's Ooh. the New York Jets going into LA to play the Chargers. Chargers, the line has just continued to grow throughout the week. They are currently nine and a half point favorites over the Jets on DraftKings Sportsbook. Guys, who do you like here? Well. As long as it doesn't move to 10, I'm okay with taking this. I have a new rule where I don't take double-digit point spreads in the NFL. Um, I think that the Chargers know how to beat one team, and that will be the Jets. Um, But to be honest, I won't be completely surprised if they somehow blow it. Uh, (laughs) But the Jets are that bad that I'll I'll even give a team that doesn't know how to win football games nine and a half uh points against them well either way there's going to be an overreaction to justin herbert's decision to trim his locks and not have that cascading flow of hair out the back of his his helmet because if the if the chargers win hey you you know people are going to say hey guess it was a good thing he cut his hair no 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 you beat the jets uh, that that's that barely counts at the, at this point. No no offense to every team that's beaten the Jets, including the Broncos, but that's that's barely they're barely an NFL club. They really actually they, they're probably a CFL club masquerading as an NFL club. And if the Jets win and Herbert struggles, then oh my God, he shouldn't have cut his hair. So he's kind of in a no win scenario this week in terms of what happens. That said, the Chargers are so much better than the Jets. Uh, I think they're going to take out some of their frustrations on the guys from New York. So I'm taking the Chargers, even though they're given nine and a half. 
Yeah, give me the Chargers as well. This really, really should not be a close game, and and ten points at home should be cap- Should the Chargers should be capable of that? I'll say this though: if Joe Flacco plays as well as he did against the Patriots, I don't think that uh, I don't think the Chargers will cover. Well, does Joe will will Joe Flacco play as well? I don't know. He looked like he was in his prime there against the Pats. <laughs> Just Pats one year too years. late. <laughs> and he looked elite. <laughs> oh, that's, the Broncos missed out on the prime. They got rid of him too early. <laughs> oh, boy. Could you imagine if that was John's explanation at the end of the season? <laughs> Should have held on to Joe. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's move to another new stadium in the AFC West. Chiefs. Sunday night football heading in to Las Vegas to play the Raiders with that fake flame in the stadium chiefs eight point favorites. This is another line that has just continued to climb throughout the week, went from six to eight now. So it could continue to grow. Who do you guys like? Yeah. The, the the Raiders flame in their stadium uh, is real, but the flame on their football team or is fake, but the flame on their football team is real. Um, that is a legitimate balanced NFL football team, um, that I just don't think is going to get blown out. Uh, I don't know if they win beating the chiefs two times in a season, uh, is really difficult. In fact, I doubt anyone's done that in a really long time. Um, so I don't think they're going to win, but I do think they keep it close. I think this is probably a field goal game, uh, with Patrick Mahomes making some Mahomes magic at the end, uh, to ensure that the chiefs win. But I don't think that the – I think that the eight points is too much. People, you know, I guess they couldn't bet on the Chiefs last week, so people are just hammering them this week. I think it's a, it's a little too high. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see how the Raiders' lines look over the years playing in Vegas and perhaps having more people that are local betting on them uh, than otherwise because you'd think there would be a little bit of a bump for the Raiders here but that that doesn't exist. The thing that gets me though is you have a bunch of players on the defensive side that have not been able to prep for this game because they're on the uh, they're they're on the COVID nineteen list right now because of close contacts. You may see them back on Sunday. You may not see them back on Sunday, depending on how things go. And you need every ounce of preparation you can get against the Chiefs team that is going to be uber motivated. I don't think the Chiefs win by 20 or 25. I do think they win by 10, so give me Kansas City. Oh, man, guys, I'm going back and forth. You both make really good arguments. What I can't get over is the Chiefs losing. This is their only loss of the season to the Raiders, so I don't think they're just going to want to win. I think they're going to want to destroy the Raiders, but primetime game, I'll say it stays within a touchdown. So once that went over seven, I'm going to stick with the Raiders to cover the spread. Chiefs are absolutely going to win this game. And Mace, I wouldn't be, even though I'm taking the other way, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a 20-plus point blowout. This is a a tough conversation to have on a Broncos podcast, but if the Raiders win, do they start getting some buzz as a a dark horse Super Bowl pick? I think they should. Yeah, yeah. Beating the Chiefs twice, I mean, and, and look, they haven't been great against all high-level teams. Tampa Bay ate their lunch a few weeks back, but if you beat the Chiefs twice, you've established your bona fides. There's going to be a second look taken at Derek Carr's season. He's going to get more attention nationally. I think Josh Jacobs is going to get more more play nationally as well. Uh, they'll they'll enter the convert. They will enter the chat, so to speak. 
in terms of legitimate Super Bowl discussion. And it's going to it's not going to be considered uh, Kansas City and the and uh, and the three stragglers. They're going to be regarded as a legitimate challenger in the, in the division and beyond. Devontae yep. Booker may get some national attention if this happens. Oh, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Uh. So yeah, that's a, that's an interesting game. Uh, it's definitely one that will uh will do some good ratings, I bet, on Sunday night football. Oh, yeah. oh yes. Oh yes. And then final one, of course, we have the Dolphins, three and a half point favorites. It's really stayed right around three at least the past few days. Coming into Denver, the mile high city to take on the Broncos with who knows who their starting quarterback's gonna be. Guys, three and a half points. What do you think about that line for Miami going on the road? It's not enough. Uh, it's not enough. I, I, you know, I've talked all week on our bet show about how if Brett Rippon starts, I can just see, you know, the NFL just throws curveballs. And out of nowhere, you just get hit with one when you least expect it. So maybe I could see that. But, you know, the logic in me is just saying this Broncos offense is broken. Um, it has been for a couple weeks now. And the Dolphins do everything – that the Broncos offense hates well. Um, so just because of that, I can't pick the Broncos to cover this spread. Um, in fact, you know, I'm, I'm more inclined to warn Broncos fans that this is going to be a tough one uh, than I am to pick them to cover that spread. So, uh, yeah, give me the Dolphins hate to do it, but that's what I feel. Mace? You know, I mentioned earlier in this pod that Miami, by the numbers, is a regression candidate. But then I think to myself, uh, I, I, I keep seeing this team get shredded week after week. They're going to play another game without Shelby Harris. So even though Miami isn't a strong running team that's going to sap the ability to get pressure, even though you'd want to try to get pressure on Tua, it's going to be harder to do without Shelby Harris up front with an entirely backup defensive line. Um, I don't think it's a blowout, but I think the Dolphins win by four to eight points. Four to eight points. So, Mace, what would you say of a 14-point game? Is that a blowout? It's A blowout for me is 17 or more, three scores. Yep. Okay, then it's not going to be a blowout to me either, but I do think it'll be a two-touchdown game. I, guys, I'm shocked that this line is only three and a half and that it hasn't changed throughout the week with uncertainty. A quarterback hasn't changed at all. This really surprises me. The Dolphins under Tua are averaging over 30 points per game just over that in their three games with him. He has not turned the ball over. He has not thrown an interception. And, guys, this Miami defense is bend, don't break. Well, they're not going to have to worry about breaking just with the way this Broncos offense has been. They, they give up the fifth fewest points per game in 20. But uh, going up against the Broncos, they're going to look better than that. I'm going 30-16, to 16, the Dolphins win. And the thing is, Zach, what have the Broncos done the last few weeks? They've struggled in the first half. Well, in the last five games, guys, Miami has scored 30, 21, 28, 24, and 17 points in the first halves of games. So this team that can't seem to get out of the blocks at all now faces a team that is arguably the fastest starting team in the league right now. So I feel like it's going to be the game flow. is going to be one where the Broncos fall behind, make it closer at the end. Oh man! Before all I'm thinking is, oh, here's another 50 dropbacks for name your quarterback for the Broncos. 
No. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, it's like I mean, the more we talk about it, the worse the formula gets. Uh, yeah. It's just oh, it's just boy. a really bad formula for this Broncos team. So, uh, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. it sucks. Uh, all right, that's gonna wrap it up for us on the live side of things. Of course, we'll move over to the podcast for, uh, side of things. Not the most fun conversation, but we would love if you hit us with a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, and uh, and we'd love if you tune in to the rest of the podcast anywhere that you get podcasts uh, and leave us a review there, too. All right, before we go too much further, I want to give a shout-out to Breckenridge Brewery. It's a Breck Brew Friday, which means that you're going to want a nice cold one in a frosty glass or right out of the frosty can. Uh, but whatever you're drinking on this Friday, Make sure you consider Breck Brews when you're walking down the aisle of the liquor store. Uh, and if they don't have them at your local liquor store, make sure you use the Breck Brew locator to check out where you can get some more. Uh, we just got a drop off of the Juice Drop IPA, and it is delicious. It's, you know, it's just, it's smooth for an IPA, which I always appreciate out of Breck Brews. The, you know, they're always smooth regardless of what you're getting. Uh, they always go down nice and easy. So. Uh, get yourself some Breck Brews today and enjoy. Oh, guys, speaking of enjoying, make sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook this weekend and not only enjoy yourself during Saturday and Sunday, but also make some money in the process. Make sure to download DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app now, and head to their app for a great deal. DraftKings is giving all new users the chance to earn a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 when signing up using the promo code DNVR. DraftKings has endless ways to bet, from live betting to betting on your favorite players. They do it all. And don't worry, if you want to keep football separate, keep, keep football just near and dear to your heart, DraftKings is giving all MMA fans who sign up now the chance to triple their winnings for any bets placed on UFC 255. Great thing about DraftKings is it's safe, secure, reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So head to the App Store now, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get up to $1,000 sign-up bonus. Let's go DNVR to get a deposit bonus up to $1,000 for a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 25, 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of the first deposit bonus and a first and a first bet match. The deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Uh, also, we still have our member contest going on. We're competing against uh, all of the other beats at DNVR, which ones can bring in the most members. Uh, we're in a fight. It is a close one right now as we're, uh, you know, starting to get – well, we don't know when the finish line is, which is always a, a nice little curveball that comes in for us. Uh, but we're in a fight. We're in a fight. So if you're considering signing up uh, for DNVR, we would love if you did so and use the code Broncos so we don't lose, considering we have never lost before. Uh, and we don't know um, if we can handle it if we do. or just, you know, we've seen enough losing already. Um, so we don't want to lose. <laughs> we need your help. Um, don't let us lose. Sign up for DNVR and get a free shirt, a free mask, and a free sticker pack when you do. It's a pretty sweet deal. It is a smash that promo code Broncos help join us, please. We need your help. Cause like Ryan said, we can't lose again. We need to feel victory one more time. Yeah, it, with the losing streak, I mean, ugh, you know what? 
we can't we, we can't go three and six forever, guys. Right? We need to get some dubs here. And exactly. And anyway, and the other thing is, if the Broncos have things get out of control, you want them to keep losing on the field and get a better draft pick. We want to make sure we get the dub here. This dub doesn't affect draft position. Let's get started with our friend Count Locula, who reminds us that, of course, it is Bum Talk Friday. So we go to the dictionary. Bummer, noun. The Oxford English Dictionary defines the term as, quote, an unpleasant or depressing experience, unquote. What's the biggest sports-related bummer you've ever experienced as a fan? Love the count. So I think the term bummer um, comes with, like, a different connotation than, like, I don't know, what's the most heart-wrenching sports experience you've ever had, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like the, you know, the Raheem Moore uh, fail Mary was – that was not a bummer. That is much – that goes much deeper than a bummer. Mm. Uh, um so for me a bummer is something that's not quite as heart-wrenching um so i will go to the pac-12 championship game for the buffs when they had their rise season um you know they had won many games in a row they had won the pac-12 south they were just rolling uh and everything was pointing up and then they just ran into a, a washington team that was chock full of nfl talent um Buda Baker, Vita Vea, uh, John Ross. Like, they just had it all across the field, and they got whooped. And that definitely was a bummer. It wasn't heartbreaking. It wasn't heart-wrenching. It was just a bummer. Yeah, yeah, that's a bummer. And if we're not doing the Raheem more, because that's not a bummer, it's more intense than that, I'm going to go Rockies, Rocktober when they got swept by the Red Sox, because it, it, at the end of the day, it was still a fantastic historic run. Uh, and it was just a bummer that it happened. And it was just a bummer how slowly it played out, you know, with baseball in four games, it was a bummer. They got swept in the world series. Yep. Oh, you're Hello. muted. <laughs> yes, I'm muted. Good morning. Hi. <laughs> I think there's a common thread here, guys, because with both, Rocktober and CU, these were unexpectedly good seasons, right? Yes. Okay, because mine is the 1991 World Series for the Braves when they they lose to the Twins in seven games, and it's a tight series, and you know you're you're really sad at the end of it that they fell short extra innings in the seventh game, but you step back from it, and it's like, whoa, this team lost 90 straight games, like six years in a row or 90 games six series in a row and all of a sudden went to the world series look how far they came and uh and then of course ended up launching a lot of other really good seasons on top of that it wasn't something that was an outlier it was actually the the rocket that propelled that team into you know 15 years of continuous contention basically so yeah that that, that's my bummer is the 91 world series losing the twins for the braves at least a few months later to cheer you up, Zach and I were brought into the world. And thank you for making me feel really old. That is a bummer. Uh, Next one from Windy City Bronco. Bangio should be the coach in 2021. That season will be the final verdict on Elway as a GM. Elway have proven himself to be a one-hit wonder who could not build a winning team without Manning. He'll have gone through four head coaches, six quarterbacks. He can be credited for keeping a strong defense strong, but the team has floundered. 
Uh, I feel like we are almost as close to success as we are to total failure, but next season will give us an answer. If it turns out to be a failure, then it's time for Elway to step down. Do you guys think there's any situation where Elway actually does step down? With the Broncos losing? No, I, I don't think so. I think someone would have to come in and show him the door uh, if, if he's not leaving on a high note. And a high note doesn't have to be a Super Bowl. I think that's what John would ideally like. But I think if he sees, okay, this team is far away, uh, you know, once he finds a quarterback and maybe the team gets to the playoffs, that can be a high note that he could leave on. Although what's interesting is that his contract does expire uh, after the 2021 season. So if things haven't worked out and the Broncos haven't gotten it turned around, it could be like they brought up in office space where it just works itself out naturally and the contract expires and is not renewed. Oh, I actually am starting to think that the best thing John Elway can do for his legacy is after this season, unless, you know, Drew turns it around and then things are starting to trend up at the end of the season. But if the season ends this way, I'm starting to think that the best thing John Elway can do for his legacy is say, you know what? All I've ever wanted is this franchise to be successful. I gave it everything I had on the field and I've given it everything I had as, as a GM. And I'm extremely proud of the three championships I've brought this city but I'm starting, uh, you know, over the last four years, I've realized that it, that it is no longer the best thing uh, for the Denver Broncos for me to be in this position. If he does that, he will be completely um, re-accepted by all fans. Because fans, a lot of fans are, like, highly anti-Elway right now. If he did that, which would probably be the toughest thing he's ever done in his life, if he did it, I think that he would win the city back over completely when when and you know his legacy would be a lot less tarnished than i think it is right now in the eyes of a lot of broncos fans that that is really interesting rk and i, I get where you're coming from completely but it's hard for me to see somebody who has been to the mountaintop and had success saying that i mean kind of an example i like to throw in is uh is tom landry when the cowboys had had three straight losing seasons and uh, were clearly sliding and he got fired by Jerry Jones. And I think it was Jerry Jones and Tex Schramm flew out to literally go meet Landry as he was coming off the golf course after playing 18 and told him he was fired. And, and apparently what Landry said was, I just didn't want to leave this team while it was down. I wanted to turn it around. And yeah. when you are somebody who's had a great deal of success, you believe you're, you're the, the turnaround is it's just around the corner. And so it's, it's hard for me to envision Elway doing that, even though I agree if, if the team throw, if it, if this team came home five and 11 or four and 12 this year, and he did do that, I think everything you said, RK is on point about how it'd be received, but I just can't see Elway doing that. Yeah. Uh, and in, in my, you know, when I step away from what I think is the best thing and think more about who we're talking about here and it's part of John Elway's legacy that he's like this um and it's part of his greatness that he's like this um but it's also potentially you know part of his downfall is that he just he just thinks that he always has one more play in his pocket uh one more drive one more comeback 
and I respect that a lot about John Elway. But I do – I am starting to think that there's an endless cycle here that I just don't know if, if he's going to be able to pull them out of. Yeah. It's a Shakespearean tragedy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with, with both of you on there. So it, hopefully it's not a rough ending. All right. Um, next one is from Sound Guy. My boys, when Fangio introduced the Shermer hire, he justified the hire with two reasons. One, he's an experienced play caller. And two, his offenses are difficult to defend. What elements of the Shermer offense are difficult to defend? What was it about this offense that got Vic excited? Well, I'll tell was... you right now, nothing about the offense has been difficult to defend this year. <laughs> yeah, no, it hasn't. And one of the things that Vic liked about it was Shermer wasn't afraid to take shots and go deep and be aggressive. And, uh, you know, we've seen that work at times. We've seen it not work at times. We've seen no aggression at times. Uh, so it certainly hasn't been consistent what Vic wanted to see. Yeah, when this offense works, the one that Pac Shermer runs, when it works, it forces a defense to cover the whole field, both vertically with taking shots downfield and also horizontally. So it is predicated on a quarterback being able to go through his progressions and scan around the whole field, which is something that Drew Locke is still learning how to be able to do at this point. He's a little more comfortable when he rolls to his right. You've got kind of, you've got a narrower focus in front of him. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Next one coming in uh, from Hey to your peers. After watching McChesney's film film room of the Falcons game, I think people need to give up on attacking Phil's pass blocking. He made the point that the offensive line schemes left all 190 pounds of fill to block a 265 pound linebacker with a running start what do we really expect i feel like this goes back to what you guys are always talking about which is the fact that a good offensive coordinator will scheme to his personnel's strengths in other words a good offensive coordinator will scheme in reality i liken it to the idea of a good leader putting his and her people in situations where he can where they can rack up small victory after small victory that's a good leader who does that. A great leader adds in development pieces into their strategy to make people not just proficient but excellent. With that thought, we have seen Shermer be a good have we seen Shermer be a good leader of the offense? Not even asking about great, just good. Which of the past offenses are the reasons Vic hired him? Is there a pattern of players being better or having great seasons while in Shermer's offense, or has it just been functional? Is he leaving places after having made them better or is there a wake of destruction behind him? If he has a positive, if, if he has a positive history, then I'm definitely hopeful that this is just a time thing. Hopefully, we can get things turned around and finish the season strong and drink celebratory Breck brews instead of bummer Breck brews. Go Broncos! You know what's interesting there is I'm sitting here right now as you're reading the comment, Zach, looking up where Shermer's offense is ranked in the years when he was offensive coordinator or head coach, and guys, yeah, not pretty. Yeah, it's not. In terms of total yardage, there are only two top ten seasons. And, and those were with the, Chip Kelly, right? Right. Chip Kelly was calling the plays in <laughs> Philly in 13 and 14, those two years before everybody really caught on to what Chip was doing. And then the crash came in 2015. And in terms of points, guys, the only, top, the only three top ten years, those two years with Chip Kelly, and then 2017, Minnesota, the year with Case Keenum, which is how he got the Giants head coaching job. And I think the afterglow of that year is part of why 
he's the offensive coordinator here because Vic Fangio had to scheme against those Pat Shermer offenses in Minnesota. Yeah, and he here's what Vic or what Pat also had was he actually did do good with Daniel Jones last year. And maybe the Broncos were hoping that he would be able to, uh, to help Drew that much. Obviously, that has not worked this year for Drew and, and Pat Shermer. But uh, I think you look at what he was able to do with Case Keenum and what he was able to do with Daniel Jones, and they thought that he would be able to maybe do something similar with Drew. Yeah, it'd be interesting to figure out, you know, and maybe the only way you could really know this is by talking to Pat Shermer himself. Um, but to know what was what was working for those two quarterbacks, that is not working for Drew. Um, and maybe he says, well, Drew's not good enough at identifying blitzes or identifying um, uh, identifying coverages. Or maybe he says, well, the offensive line is just too bad around here. I'd just be interested to hear um, what – that what that would sound like if you got a chance to talk to him and guys we got some uh breaking news here on the Broncos side of things uh team just announced that this Sunday will be the final game this season with fans in attendance yeah it was trending that way and it seems like it's trending that way uh and we'll continue to trend that way around the NFL but that means the Broncos will have four full home games this year with no fans in attendance of course week one and then after this week we have three final home games with no fans yeah my my question is we talk so much about this team in cash are the Broncos going to be hurt more more by this uh than a lot of other teams around around the uh the league well, I mean, you look at the attendances they've been getting, and they've been getting roughly about what fifty three hundred people for home games this for home games this year. And uh, if you assume that each of those people is worth, say, a hundred bucks, I mean, you're talking about you're, you're talking about a little bit over uh, two million dollars in terms of the uh, revenue hit. About it. so, it matters, but. Uh, Maybe not all that. Maybe not all that much. It's kind of a drop in the bucket losing 5,300 fans. Because also the other thing is you're not gonna, now you're not going to have to staff the stadium as well. Right. So you're not, not going to have to pay ushers, concessions. You're not going to uh, have you know food and all that sort of thing brought in. So. True. Yeah, I mean this whole season though, Ryan yeah. certainly is hurting right. the oh. Broncos more than other teams. Yeah, these getting fifty three hundred in was getting a few drops back in the bucket of what you'd uh, of what you'd lost in, in general. So it's it's just it's a, it's a tough year, and uh, you, you under you understand why given uh, what we've been uh, learning this week and uh, where the way things are trending in Colorado. But it's it's still sad. I mean, I, I honestly, guys, I get sad every time I watch a game in an empty stadium. It's just it's it's ho- it's a hollow experience. Yeah, it's a bummer for sure. And hopefully, the steps we're taking now will help us to be able to have uh, fans next season. 100%. Exactly, exactly. Johnny G chiming in. Greetings, gents. The coaching discussion on yesterday's pod was very interesting, and I could honestly see the odds of us getting a new head coach being fifty-fifty. I think with where our team is at right now. We will be lucky to get one win by the end of the season. In regards to the way the Broncos zigged when the rest of the NFL was zagging in the coaching molds that John Elway has already used with his hires, how much do you feel that the hires of McDaniels and Vance Joseph had tainted John's vision of young coaches? Stay safe and stay healthy. And really quick, uh, John Elway did not hire Josh McDaniels, but obviously he did come in and clean up that mess. Um, But I, I do think that John 
once someone experienced there just because of how it went uh, with specifically Vance under his watch, but, uh, but also seeing what McDaniels did. At the same time, though, Zach, just thinking about what we discussed earlier about the loss of revenues, um, can the Broncos afford to buy, to, to buy out uh, Vic Fangio? If they if they collapse down the stretch, I think the I think the situ the overall situations of this year, I think they mean that unless the Broncos lose out, they're standing pat at the head coach for twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah, and that's a tough reality. It, if if you can't make certain decisions that you want to make because of money, I you know every year I feel like I learn something new about sports, and maybe it's something I knew before, but it just becomes more and more clear to me. This year, more than any year, I have understood the difference between having a rich owner and having a mega billionaire owner. Uh, and you look around the team, uh, the, all the leagues, at the teams that are having the most success, and for the most part, it's not a straight across the board thing, but for the most part, you're noticing that it's the team's with the owners who have the most money. Uh, and it's kind of an unfortunate realization about sports because it takes away some of the, uh, the magistry of it all. But um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough thing to realize, and it's something that's very, very apparent for the Broncos. They need a, a, a multi-billionaire to come in and run this franchise if they want to get back to you know, where, uh, where everyone expects this team to be. All right, next one here comes in from Brian. My guys, if you ran the Broncos cafeteria in non-COVID times, what is the main type of cuisine you are serving? I'm serving quinoa and kale salads every day <laughs> for every meal to these professional athletes. I'm not, I'm not giving them the opportunity to put uh, uh, unleaded fuel in. I, I'm making sure that they're only getting the finest of gas in their body. How do you define sushi then, Zach? Is that, is that regular fuel or is that something that's uh, premium? I no, sushi's good. Sushi's, sushi will pass. Okay, then I'm all about su- sushi, some, some high-grade uh, uh, salmon and, and, uh, and ahi for poke bowls, things like that. I'm a- actually, I'm, I'm, doing a lo- I'm doing a lot of Japanese food in general, guys, at my training table every day. Like I'll that. tell you what. It would be very different from what the Broncos cafeteria is like right now. <laughs> exactly. Um, I've, I, I, it just absolutely blows my mind when we're in the locker room and I see these guys who get paid millions of dollars to maintain their physique, um, eating pizza and hot dogs and all sorts of – And all the other- fried food. So much fried food. I just like I get it. They're grown men, and they should be able to make decisions for themselves. But I, if I'm running the team and I get that opportunity, I'm not giving them the choice uh, of of making bad decisions uh, on their food. So, you know, Von Miller uh, has his own personal chef who keeps him on a very strict diet of exactly what he needs. I'm hiring you know, a, a team that is creating an exact diet plan for each and every player and cooking based on those needs. Yep. I, I totally agree. And of course they can eat meat and things like that, but just don't have it be fried and breaded and everything. I totally agree with you, Ryan. I'm always so shocked at what these guys are eating from the team cafeteria. 
Who was it? Oh, it was uh, Todd Davis who was telling us uh, about how much he loves Cinnabon. <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, that's like one of the, what are you <laughs> In the off season, right? Oh, no, no, go to Park Meadows. He's, I think By he said, way. like, I get, I've got Cinnabon like two times a week. Right. <laughs> so he's probably really excited because they're, they're selling Cinnabon frosting now. Oh, boy. Separately. Oh, in the can, right? Yes. I mean, Todd's probably going crazy for this right now. Well, absolutely wild to me. It really is. Next one from T Meeks. Hey, guys, Mace asked a great question to Drew yesterday about checking the protection, and Drew mentioned the benefit of having a vet center last year. Do you think if they started the center we just signed, uh, Halapio, that has worked with Shermer, would that help Locke's development and checks? Or do you think they could try to change it center to see if that helps Drew? It seems like it could help his confidence in the offensive line, and I think that would be worth a try with the situation. Well, I think the move would have been have Graham Glasgow slide over to center, and in retrospect, even though you're very high on Lloyd Cushenberry, in retrospect, maybe that should have been the call going into the season is to have a veteran center because clearly he talked about how Connor McGovern helped him at the pivot last year and clearly having two young guys at quarterback and center is leading to some issues. Whereas if you've got a young quarterback or a young center, it's something that you can work with. Yeah. Don't you think that like Graham Glasgow should just be able to help Lloyd Cushenberry when he's standing right next to him? (laughs) Right. Why is it so so you have to be yeah. a center to do it or not yeah like can't like glasgow lean over and be like hey you know uh 53s of the mic let's slide left <laughs> right yeah you would think so that's a good point they're only two feet away One yeah, feet not away. even I mean, they're touching inches basically. away <laughs> it's part of the whole thing of uh you know the, the center has to be intellectually nimble and uh you know lloyd cushionberry is a is a smart guy but getting that intelligence to translate to the speed of the, of the pro game uh it can take some time yeah yeah it, it really can next one coming in from big tony Okay, so I took it upon myself to do some research into Eric Bieniemy's past during his college days at Colorado, and I honestly didn't come across anything that would warrant him not being able to be considered as our next head coach. So he was a young and dumb at one point and made some mistakes. So what? Haven't we all? Those mistakes were made when he was still a kid in college. He's now 51 years old. I mean, even his alma mater themselves gave, up, gave him a second chance within just the last decade and even considered him for their vacant head coach position just last year. If we are going to continue to make head coaching decisions based off politics and optics rather than candidates' coaching abilities, then this franchise is in worse position than I thought. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Shanahan, wasn't Kyle Shanahan Elway's first choice for head coach in 2017, but Joe Ellis wouldn't sign off on him, so we settled for Vance Joseph? And didn't the same thing happen when John Elway wanted to bring back Mike Shanahan in 2018? I don't know. It just seems silly to be choosing head coaches based off politics and optics rather than the candidates' coaching abilities and fit. Like I've said, Biennemi would be, be a perfect fit, in my opinion. He's someone what? who would give our young offensive weapons the best chance to reach their fullest potential together. And if and when Vic is let go, I'll be disappointed if we don't try and at least give him an interview. So let, I think you know this, but I just want to make sure that you do. None of us, I don't, and if you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, 
none of us thought that that should be the reason why the Broncos shouldn't hire uh, Eric Bieniemy. What we said is that we're just afraid that that's the reason why they won't hire him, and and you know whether that's um, the right decision or not is a different debate. But I do think that that's gonna that would play a role in the Broncos' um, willingness to consider Eric Bieniemy for the job. Um, and I agree, none of it is really all that bad, and it was a long time ago. Um, but just don't think the Broncos uh, are going to look look at it that way. Uh, and also, you said correct me if I'm wrong, but Kyle Shanahan was John Elway's first choice. Well, here I am to correct you. Uh, yeah, he, that's not true. Yeah. And, and the other thing with BN, a couple of things on BNME, how much play calling responsibility does he have in Kansas City? Because he's the OC, but it's, it's an Andy Reid show, right? Yeah, I mean, Andy Reid definitely wants the narrative to be mm-hmm. that uh, Eric Bieniemy has a lot of play calling um, power there. So. Yeah, it just depends I mean, on how much you believe uh, what what that narrative. I mean, I would say this. I mean, I I look at uh, at offensive coordinators who are who are on the rise, and I know I've talked about this guy earlier in the week. But if they did make a move, uh, I know Byron Leftwich is being handed a lot by Bruce Arians and working with Tom Brady and and running that Tampa Bay offense and getting every everything up to speed down there and. Uh, I look at I look at Leftwich as far as a, a an offensive coordinator who has some NFL playing experience in his in his back pocket. I look at him as the guy that I'd really be interested in having run my organization a little more than Eric Bieniemy at this point. I think that's almost the exact same type of thing, uh, and just in terms of how much um, power they have. Like to me, it's the same situation where um, you know um, Arians wants Leftwich to get a job. So he's giving him extra responsibility the same way that uh, Andy Reid is doing so with, with Eric Bieniemy. Yep, exactly. And I do think that Bieniemy gets a shot after this year. I just don't think it's in Denver. Be interesting to see how it works out. He is – he's a personality that if he works out, oh, my God, is some fan base going to absolutely adore Eric Bieniemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if he doesn't, then it's – then a lot of the ways that he goes about things is going to rub people the wrong way. <laughs> right. And, and, and you know that very well, Ryan. Next one from Bangkok Bronco. Hey gents, I know that between you guys, you will have worn most, if not all of the t-shirts available on the DNVR locker. But if you could choose one, which would it be? I ask because I was randomly picked winner of a free t-shirt courtesy of my entry into the DNVR masters this last weekend. There you go. There were, so, there were so many I wanted to get, but in the end, I opted for the Jokic somber or somber shuffle. The nuggets postseason run was epic. And I wanted something to remind me of that, but the Von Miller goat t-shirt was a close second. Have a great weekend gents and go Broncos BB out. Man, if I could only have one, it would probably have to be our most recent CU Buffs shirt that we released, the Pride and Tradition shirt. That is uh, black and gold, which are obviously my two favorite colors. And it is the design is, is amazing to me. Yeah, it is. Uh, those new shirts, I love them both. Man, my, my favorite one that I have is a classic. It's the Philip Lindsay salute one. So I would get it again if I didn't have one. That's the one that I would be getting. It all I mean they truly are the most comfortable shirts as well. Easily. I've, yeah. I've got uh I've got the Kyle Freeland home homegrown shirt. I've got the uh 
uh, Nolan being Nolan shirt and they're incredibly comfortable. I just hope that uh, uh, the Nolan shirt isn't going to be uh, out of date. If the, I hope he's back with the Rockies and that he's not traded in the next few weeks here, guys. Yeah, we'll see. I wish that I cared more about what happens with the Rockies. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> it's it's half it's half the year, you know, sporting wise. I mean, we 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 want the Rockies to succeed. We want them to be relevant. I mean, yeah, we're all you know on the other side of this pandemic. We're going to go to Coors Field and have our beverages and hang out at the rooftop and have fun and you know take our families there. But it's always a oh, little bit better when they're winning, guys. Trust me. I mean, <laughs> I am a huge Rockies fan. Um, I'm just, I've reached, I've reached your, your, uh, your worst stage, Mason. That is apathy. I've reached oh, apathetic oh, levels. No, RK, no, man. <laughs> but I can understand it. <laughs> I, I mean, I completely get it. <laughs> I'll get, I'll probably get wrapped right back in when they start five and one or something next year. <laughs> um, but right now I'm just like, man, I don't, I don't know. Like, I thought I think that this last year really illuminated how important Coors Field is uh, to Rockies culture in Denver. Um, right. You know, and it just without it, it made it a lot harder to care about what was going on with the team. So maybe that's another thing that once we get Coors back and we get to you know experience what it's like when the Rockies are are winning games, then maybe we'll go back to uh, you know being more wrapped up around what's going on with them. But I can't say, like, it would probably be a long-term effect, but I cannot say that if the Rockies traded Nolan Arenado tomorrow, that I would be, like, beside myself. I would just be like, damn, that really sucks. <laughs> I don't Man. like seeing greatness leave. It would it would be That's a bummer. It would know, be bad. Yeah, I was going to say bummer. I would, <laughs> I would call it a bummer. I wish I, wish I could call it a heartbreaking or – heart-wrenching but i would just be bummed yeah but the heartbreaking part of it is knowing that you had arguably the greatest third baseman in the history of the game and you didn't capitalize i mean think about it that's the thing i mean with all respect to todd helton anybody else in terms of where he's going to be in the history of this sport when all is said and done Nolan arenado is the greatest rocky yep 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 that's where he's going right now yeah man they signed him up uh, before we move on, a shout out to Chevalier Mortgage. Uh, you will be more than bummed if you don't use Mike in Virginia uh, to get you set up with your mortgage. You can go to dnvrmortgage.com or call them at 303-257-6578 and just get hooked up with some true, true Colorado sports fans. They even came down to the DNVR bar for the most recent Broncos game. Uh, they're legit. They're diehards. Uh, and they also happen to be an incredible husband-wife financial team with over 15 years of experience. When you sign up at dnvrmortgage.com uh, to get a free consultation, you'll also be entered to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. Um, and you'll also get a really high-level consultation on what the best way to go about your mortgage is. When you're dealing with something that's going to be, you know, your largest asset in your home and probably your largest debt uh, in your mortgage, you really want to be surrounded by some people who care about you. And, and 
Mike and Virginia Chevalier will absolutely do that. So check them out at dnvrmortgage.com or call them at 303-257-6578. That's Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. And Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Guys, today is the start of the retro open over at WGT in our clubhouses or in our in our country clubs of dnvr dnvr2 dnvr3 and dnvr4 and all you have to do is play for a chance to win a free shirt and as you saw someone in our broncos community won one of those shirts recently and you'll get to choose maybe you want the nolan shirt maybe you want the philip Lindsay shirt maybe you want the new buffs or ram shirt well you can do that and get that for free as long as you play WGT Golf. And all you have to do is play in the Retro Open to win. So how do you do it? We'll go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT Golf. Once you've downloaded WGT Golf, go in to the country clubs and join DNVR4 Country Club. And then that'll get you access. Then you go to St. Andrews, go to the old course, and enter to the closest to the hole challenge. Take a screenshot once you've done it, and send it to our pinned Twitter thread at DNVR Sports or email them at info at the DNVR, and that'll get you entered into the tournament and into the prize. We're going to be doing one of these every single weekend up until Christmas, and winners are picked on Monday, so you have nothing to lose because WGT Golf is free and fun. So make sure to get into WGT, join the country club, head to the old course at St. Andrews and hit some balls to get closest to the pin. Enter your screenshot, and there you go. You're on your way to potentially winning a prize. Yeah, and it's actually even easier than that. You don't even have to go to the old course. You can just go into club tournaments, uh, and it will show you right there the retro open. So just sign up for that. That will automatically take you uh, to the old course. So uh, super fun, super easy. And, uh, man, I finished in 11th place this last week in DNVR1. I need to to lock in that top 10 finish this week. Yeah, pretty disappointed in you, uh, Ryan. Just unacceptable. I know. I, know I let <laughs> us down. I'm sorry. Oh, man. Orange and blue Aussie. Aussie. You know what? I think that's what he meant there. My bad. Yes. Okay. Mace has brought the Broncos and installed me as GM. He's only paying me $282 a week, so he's getting his money's worth, LOL. Here's what I would do in this dream of having a chance. Please throw in your thoughts as we go through it. I'm rookie GM, and I might be wrong. One, coaching staff. I agree that continuity is important, but if you keep bad coaches, you'll be consistently bad. If Fangio ran off Skanks because he was too conservative and brings in Shermer, even though he doesn't fit our talent, he's not the guy. You have a QB who is just learning. You don't need to put it on him to win the games. Fangio gone, Shermer gone. If we can't get someone who can coach for the next 10 years, then put Munchak in until we are a drawing card again. Thoughts, guys? Uh, I mean, it's hard to argue against it, especially when uh, you're not thinking about what you said earlier, Mace, uh, which was that the Broncos might not have the money to make a move like this. Um, But aside from that, I haven't seen enough from Vic Fangio to make me say you got to keep rolling with him. Yeah. And if, if he's not your guy and you know it, then you do have to move on. Yeah. Yep. If, if money is, if money is no object, I agree. And, and you know what? I even kind of would say that if you, if you don't know, you can attract the best coach. I actually don't mind the idea of Munchak being a guy that you have in there until you figure things out long-term. 
if you did this. No, that's Box not a bad idea. Tight ends, sorted for years to come. I agree with that. Yep. Offensive line, first make Garrett Bowles, first pay Garrett Bowles firstly on the franchise tag as it's cheaper than the going market, but extend him in 2022 to lock him in. Then decide if Cushionberry can improve or is a lost soul. Reisner and Glasgow will be better if not for having to cover for him. Draft a right tackle. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Well, do you draft a right tackle this year, or do you hope that you can get some value out of Juwan James next year? You're paying Juwan next year. I'm yep. making sure that I've got somebody developed for the future. I am I'm drafting a swing tackle in the third round and saying, all right, if, if we can get Garrett Bowles done on a long-term deal, we're going to get this guy ready to play right tackle. If we can't get Garrett Bowles done and Juwan James plays well, then we're going to get him ready to play left tackle. But I am developing somebody this year, but just not in the first or second round. Do the Broncos win more games next year with um, – Zach Wilson as their quarterback or with Penny Sewell on their offensive line? Zach Wilson at quarterback. Wow. Okay. You would take Penny Sewell? I think so. Wow. Wow. I mean, he's a stud. There's no doubt about that. He's a stud. I think I'd have to go. I'd have to go with with Zach Wilson at this point, though. Yeah, I mean – I really like Zach Wilson, so uh, that's, this isn't a knock on him at all. I j- I'm just starting to worry that the Broncos have to figure it out in the trenches before it's ever going to work for any quarterback back there. That's fair. That's definitely fair. Yeah. Speaking of quarterback, we have more from Orange and Blue Aussie. If your quarterback can't read defenses and blitzes, you draft a QB in the first. I target Zach Wilson if available, mm-hmm. but might consider Matt Jones or even Kyle Trask if we draft later. Thoughts? Still pray for the Elway repeat where Trevor refuses to play for the Jets and we can trade Chris Hinton to get Trevor. Talking about Trevor Lawrence, but not likely. Owen cut Jeff Driscoll and save $2.5 million on the cap for others that matter. Gladly eat the 750000 in dead money. Maybe the Broncos could trade Jeff Driscoll for Trevor Lawrence. I wonder if the Jets would fall for that. Hire <laughs> Peyton would, Manning as the quarterback coach. There you go. What would the price tag look like? To trade, uh, to trade up to number one? So Trevor Lawrence says, I'm not playing for the Jets. And now it's a bidding war for who can get up to the number one overall pick. Would the Jets take this three first in Bradley Chubb? That's, that's I think, what you'd have to be thinking of. Because it, a, a player who is the equivalent of a first to make sure that you're not giving up four ones to get Trevor Lawrence. Would you do the four ones? If I were the Jets... No, no. The, if you're the Broncos, would if you I offer the Bron- four ones? If I were the Broncos, I would. And one reason why I would is that even though we're frustrated with the state of this franchise right now, there's, a, there's more talent on this team than there has been in the last few years. So in terms of the long-term development plan, it's a roster. It's not complete, but it's got fewer holes. Now, in this instance, I'm saying, all right, I'm going all in, but I'm making sure that in the next 18 months, I'm giving Garrett Bowles a long-term deal. If he proves that he's for real, after you franchise him, I'm re-signing Justin Simmons. I'm keeping all the talent that I can on hand, knowing that I'm losing those first-round picks. I don't want to create more holes. 
But if I'm willing to do that, then a trade of four ones for Trevor Lawrence becomes more palatable because you are collecting some talent around this roster. Zach, where do you draw the line? What is the, the highest amount that you would give up? Hmm. Can you even trade four ones? I think Can you trade four years out? Yeah, only basketball is the one who stops okay. you from being able to do that, I believe. Okay. Um, boy, four is pretty crazy. That is crazy. Um, He's a generational talent, though. I would if you do, miss on him, you're set back eight years. I would do three firsts and uh, a player. A I would prefer Sutton, that. Uh, so, they, so the Jets call you today. They yeah. say four first-round picks will give you the number one overall pick. You're saying no. No, I'm taking it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and think about it. If Trevor Lawrence is who you believe he can be, then yeah. what you're thinking is, man, those picks, they're going to be like 25, 28 right. down yeah. the line. That is what you're thinking. My question is, uh, do, you, do you then trade off some of your talent to try and recoup some of those picks? You could. Um, you because could. Because I think that also would be important. But at the same time, you try to keep it together as long as you can because you have enough – you don't need to surround Trevor Lawrence with any more talent on offense. You might need some offensive line help. That can be found in different ways. But, uh, anyways, it's a really interesting question. Uh, we do have to move on, yeah. Orange and Blue Aussie, even though you have a lot more here. Maybe you copy the second half of this. Uh, on the next podcast we'll get to that but we're running a little short on time i want to hit all these questions from thick fangio be careful what you say on air mace you never know when there might be a curvy head coach listening nathan peterman it is (laughs) yeah no yeah i think we all agree with that butch cassidy (laughs) butch cassidy all right i'm changing my strategy we need more achievable goals maybe this week we walk the up the field goals a bit. This week's on extra points. The Broncos quarterbacks <laughs> will complete at least 60% of his passes. Please. Kicks? Also, what, do you think former Dolphin Jawan James has watched a single Broncos game this season? Texas teammates with words of support? No, probably not. What do you guys think? He has, I'm sure. I'm uh, sure definitely texting his teammates. That I, I, w- I feel confident in. Um, I don't know. I don't want to make social media um, the, the ultimate reflection of real life because it's not. Um, but, you know, I ha- you kind of like when you see a player like live tweeting when they're not playing um, or not even live tweeting, just sending out like, let's get this dub today, Bronco, or just anything like that. Um, but again, not everyone, you know, expresses themselves via social media. So I don't want to make that a reflection of real life, but it would be good for his um, public relations if he did such a thing. Yeah, it definitely would be. Just to go Broncos at kickoff every day. Yep. <laughs> I agree with that. Uh, my Well, I, I was planning on a 58-yard field goal, but it also kind of works as, a, uh, as an extra point. I'm going to say – and gosh, I don't even know if I believe this, but I'm going to say Melvin Gordon and Phillip Lindsay both get double-digit touches this game. Holy cow. I know, wow. I know. Call me crazy. Is that a pig out there flying? <laughs> what is it doing? Or is it a 75-yard McManus field goal? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, I'm going to say my 58-yard field goal is that Brant- – <sighs> <laughs> 
I'm going to say that Brandon McManus gets a chance to break the record. It's deeper than 58. He gets a chance to break the record in this game. Wow. I, yeah, push that back. That's, a, that's an 80-yard field goal. I love hey, it. That'd be pretty awesome. And you know what? Give the, la- the last home game with fans, right? Yep. Give them something to remember. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Next one coming in from Jason 17 What's up, guys? The news just broke that Taysom Hill, not Winston, will be the Saints starter this week. If he starts against the Broncos next week, how do you game plan for a guy who does everything and that very little is known about his actual passing ability? Thanks, as always, and happy Friday. Well, the good thing is, Jason, is you'll get, you'll get a week of film on him, so that'll help at least. You pack the box and force him to beat you over the top. And if he does that, good for him. Exactly. I agree. Casper, fellas, if Fangio is let go, what do you think about Jason Garrett being brought in? No. Uh, <laughs> he does check some of the boxes that LA might be looking for. I agree with that. He's 54, so he wouldn't fall into the young coach category, and he's not a first-time head coach. His Cowboys teams only finished below 500 one time, uh, and that was when Romo was injured for most of the season. His teams were ranked in the top one half of the league offensively more often than not. He won two playoff games. By most accounts, guys love playing for him. That said, I'm just not a huge fan of the idea since his team finished 8-8 eight eight just about every other year. But he is a name that will probably get brought up if a, coach, if a change is made. How say you? Yeah. Meh. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think this is something John Elway would love. I don't think this is something that uh, the fan base would love. All right, guys. Well, we have run out of time, unfortunately, here. But uh, we appreciate everyone commenting um and leave us your comments after the game this is a very rare situation where we run out of time before we get to all the comments so to the few of you who we didn't get to we are sorry um but we'll make it up to you next time you can ask two if you want next time um also want to tell you guys to head over to green mountain dental group when you need some dentist work done you sign up for a cleaning x-ray and exam and you'll get a free sonicare toothbrush they really will treat you like family down at green mountain dental group so we really uh, appreciate them for their support of us. Uh, we would love it if you supported them too when you need a new dentist. So check them out. Uh, and, but for now, we will catch you guys after the game on Sunday. Have a good weekend.